Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 82. And it's going to be a good one. I mean, they're all good, hopefully, but this one's especially... Anyway, uh, you longtime listeners might recall that uh, way back in the days of Songs and Stories episodes number, I'm nonchalantly clicking to my website and looking at Songs and Stories episodes 31 and 32, we talked to and heard some performance from Chris Key and Travis Jones of the Bay Area band Houston Jones, which really are one of my favorite bands. Well, we've kept in touch and... Um, and like I've said many times on this, uh, besides being able to write music and perform and play and, and take it out to people, I think one of the real dividends of this whole endeavor is uh, the people I've met along the way. And that certainly applies here. So they have a new album out. It's called Jericho Road. And we were at a, uh, a showcase in Morgan Hill, uh, I think last fall. Uh, this this is an annual showcase, and it's literally scheduled around Houston Jones' availability. Um, so they do a long set, and I've been able to go the last couple and do a couple of two-song sets. We were talking during the, the potluck dinner part of the showcase beforehand, and I was watching the whole band kind of react and talk to each other and, and talk about what they were going to do on stage and the, the music and the arrangements. And I looked around, and I, I saw that the bantering, the professionalism, the and just how funny they all were. So we've been talking about doing another podcast for the new record, Jericho Road, and I thought, that'll be fun, but I want to interview the whole band. And they like the idea, too. So we spent about six months trading phone calls and about 137 emails, and we're finally able to meet up together a couple of weeks ago locally here at KPIG Radio. Houston Jones played KPIG Radio's live Sunday morning music show, Please Stand By, and we got together afterwards, so we're going to um, really talk to the whole band this time, talk about the new CD, and really get a sense of who all these guys are, which I, I think you'll find as fun and interesting as I did. So a few things before we get started with the interview. If you're new to Songs and Stories, if you want more information about the band, their tour dates, or things we talk about in this interview, or some previous podcast information, you can go to my site, michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, and look for Songs and Stories 82 there at the top. And there'll be links to Houston Jones, there'll be links to the previous interviews, and while you're up there, if I can get a plug in, my band's playing K-Pig's Live Sunday Morning Music Show on February 28th. You can go to my show's page and find out about that, because we're playing Don Quixote's Music Hall on March 4th in Felton, California. It's going to be kind of a big show with a local storyteller, so if you're clicking around while you're listening to this, have a look at that. Uh, a couple of things to pay attention to during the actual interview. Uh, Travis Jones and Chris Key are the band's two main songwriters, and... Um, Travis writes in a very kind of literal style, kind of like I do. Chris Key writes in a more easy-to-interpret type of songwriting, so you really get two completely different types of songwriting in the band, which I think really just makes them more robust and makes it more interesting. So pay attention to that discussion. Also, their producer, Kuki Marenko, is a Barry producer in Belmont, California, who now works exclusively on two-inch tape. 
They talk a lot about her at the end of this interview and not completely uncoincidentally, Cookie will be the next couple of interviews here on Songs and Stories after this one in a couple of weeks. So pay attention to their talk about her. She's a really cool producer who's kind of gone back old school to record on tape. So let's hear a little bit of this new CD Jericho wrote, and then we'll talk with the band. Let's hear a snippet of Still Waters, written by Travis Jones, a little bit of Jericho Road, written by Chris Key, and part of an instrumental called Ornithopathy, written by Glenn Houston and Henry Salvia. And not to leave anybody out, backing all this up on drums and percussion is Peter Tucker. We'll hear from all of them in just a few minutes here on Songs and Stories, and here's a little bit of Jericho Road, starting with Still Waters. Thank 
Okay, you kids in your text. Debbie, <laughs> Debbie from Debbie and Ron said it was a great show. Oh, cool. Oh, just now they heard it? She just said they were listening and said, cool, you love the show. So now that I pulled my jaw off the floor, great set. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I like, the thing I like watching you guys, when you guys play is watching guitar players watch Glenn. Oh, yeah. And watching you play left-handed and realizing... And I, I was at, I think at Marky's house, last house, house concert you guys played, and my, one of my old guitar teachers were there, and, and he looked, and Dave went, he didn't restring it. <laughs> and you must get this all the time. It's upside down. I'm going to stop worrying about how he's playing and just sit back and listen. <laughs> and enjoy it. Well, it, it makes me seasick to watch him play, but yeah. it it's sure is a pleasure to listen to. Oh, man. So for folks that, that don't know you guys, let's go around the room since Chris has his mouth full of food. Introduce yourselves and tell Thank us you. what you do with the band. I finished my bagel. This is Chris Key. I'm the bass player with Houston Jones. And cello player. And cello player. And acoustic guitar player sometimes. And vocalist. And background vocalist. <laughs> and com- and composition. These are my peeps. <laughs> my posse here. We just heard the conversation, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, I'm Henry Salvia. I'm uh, Pop-Tart of the band. Which <laughs> <laughs> is a tough instrument to play. Yes, it really it takes some finesse. It gets its oh, with the frosting on it, it's especially is tricky. The biggest exactly. problem, yeah. <laughs> play keyboards, accordion, piano, and other like instruments. And he sings. And I sing. Yeah. And Glenn? Uh, I'm Glenn Houston, and I play slide whistle. <laughs> um, slide whistle. He plays slide whistle left-handed and upside down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and occasionally gets to play guitar. <laughs> Peter, Peter will play with anybody, apparently, according to today. I'm a drum whore. <laughs> play drums, percussion, a little bit of singing. I also play the drums upside down. <laughs> and I'm Travis Jones. I stand in front with a guitar in my hand and, and try try to sound good on Chris's songs. And did you hear about Keith Granger while you're singing? Yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as, a, as, as this particular incarnation, how long have you guys been together? Well, I joined the band in 2005. Around Three Crow Town? Yeah. Town? Yeah, yeah. 2005. Yeah, cause they, um, because they called me in to do some overdubs on Three Crow Town. Right, right. And as I told them before, you know, he plays a mean pop tart. Let's keep him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I weaseled my way in because I thought the material was incredible, and the band was the nicest bunch of guys I've ever worked with, even for oh. musicians, especially <laughs> for musicians, <laughs> despite being musicians. Despite being musicians, they're really talented. So I guess the answer is it's five, about five years, five years yeah. four to five years in this incarnation. But the band has been Houston Jones since two thousand one. Right, and a, couple and a lot of, of us have played together a lot. Yeah, because a couple goes as far back as the Wayback's for Bay Area. Well, way farther before then. Before that. Yeah. 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 Travis and I go back to oh, 90, I didn't know that. 92, yeah. something like that. Oh, good um, and, the Clinton yeah. administration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've known Peter since probably the, the mid to late 80s. Well, I was going to say, Chris and Henry and I have all played in like various club bands and country bands and stuff in the Bay Area for over 20 years. So you've all been crossing, crossing paths for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and Peter played with me and Travis going back to the early, mid-90s. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of history. I should put like a trivia quiz on the podcast for like a free t-shirt or something. What you need is a flow chart. Yeah, a Venn diagram chart. that shows <laughs> yeah. the intersections of all the players in the you band. You need a family tree because there's lots of cross-pollination and, and lots of different bands. Currently even, I mean, there's lots of stuff that happens with all these guys. Right, right. Yeah, people with other people. Yeah. I, I stay I stay inside of my, my boat and I wish I could go out and play, you know, with other folks. But all these guys get to go out and play all the time because they're drummers and bass players and they're keyboard players and guitar players. No one ever calls a singer up and says, Hey, you wanna come do a fill in gig? No, we, we sit back and 
wait for it. We did, we did a corporate and... party. Jeez. I am, I am well, lonely. In, in AA, they refer to this as copying a resentment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you need to get to a meeting. <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm, Hi, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the lead singer. I'm the lead singer. <laughs> It's been, you know, I've been lead singer for thirty some odd years. Yeah, and I have a nice boat. Really, got a nice boat, yeah. <laughs> he does have a nice boat. Yeah. Cool. So let's let's talk about, go ahead and talk about the new CD and see where that goes. Um, Jericho wrote. So would you call it a gospel album or no? No. No, no, but I bet you. Because you were talking, I talked to you and Chris oh, a couple years ago, and you yeah, were talking about we were first. you were talking about a gospel type record. But then I heard this like it's not really a gospel record. There's there's some spiritual undertones, but it's not really a gospel record. Well, let's, what, yeah, what happened? I, I mean, well, don't forget a lot of our fans have been asking us right to specifically record a gospel album. Because right. we, did, we do a handful of those kind of songs I, in all yeah. our shows. Yeah, sure. actually, what we, when we, yeah, when, when we play the, do the festival thing, we will often play the Sunday gospel yeah, set. Right. And, uh, That's where I first saw you with Strawberry doing the gospel. That you know, could well be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, so, the record, I mean, we originally were going to do a gospel record, and then, but the material that we had um, was not strictly mm -hmm. gospel stuff. And there were some songs that I had specifically written when we played up at Sisters. There were two or three songs that I'd written as original gospel tunes, which I thought was a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And um, so that that's where we started out. But then eventually the songs were not purely gospel or even really purely spiritual. But all of them seemed to have a sort of road quality to mm -hmm. them as well and so the the conceit was that we would you know do this sort of hybrid mm -hmm. and uh, it's not strictly that but it's pretty close I mean the songs that are not straight gospel or have sort of biblical resonance to them are you know Travis has got this great pop tune on there um uh, next time, uh, yeah. Next time, which is about you know a relationship that has gone horribly next time, wrong. This time. Yeah, yeah. you title too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a uh, but it's a you know it's a road song. It's mm -hmm. about you know getting away. And uh, there's another song of mine on there um, called "Ghost of the Inland Sea," which has got this sort of you know highway quality to it. So that's there is really more of a travel theme to this. I mean, Jericho wrote the title track, and then. Um, Still Waters has it leading besides Still Actually, Waters. There, there are six, I was going to say, there's there's five songs out of this 11, five songs that could easily be put on a gospel album and you would not you would not say they're not gospel. you say that's it's, it's mm -hmm. gospelish. Yeah. Five of the six. And we've actually got a couple more songs actually re recorded, but we might go back and re-record them for the next album mm -hmm. that are also gospelish. We came really close. If we would have added just a couple more tunes, we could have actually done a gospel album, but the rest of the material was so strong. Yeah, Which is so good. Well, and then my preference, I, this is kind of more wide open because you can you can read into it that way, or you can just say this is like th the next great Houston Jones record, which I kind of like because mm -hmm. you can read it either way. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's 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 a, we're very proud of it. It's a good album. Yeah, I mean that's it's been a thing of mine as writing songs. I don't like to um, say this is what this song is about. Mm -hmm. I would like to leave it open to the listener. Right. And um, so that's nice to hear when you know from a, a, an objective pair of ears that it that it is it, it suggests a number of different possibilities to it. Mm -hmm. and I think that that's that's good to hear because that's kind of where I think that's what we would like to. Why well, I, I know and I, I admire it too because in my own material I tend to write such descriptive you know um, narrative stuff I can't get away from it. So when I hear especially what you write, it's like I really oh, yeah. appreciate it. Well, hey, yeah. Henry. Henry had the best label. He referred to my stuff as magical realism, <laughs> which is—I mean—that's kind of true because I, you know, I, 
I like well, like in the last record, what's the song? Turning of the not turning of the, <coughs> the one about your wife being a spinner. Oh, oh, uh, Calico Heart. Yeah, yeah, Calico Heart talks about the turning. Is the lyric about turning? Turning the, the wheel. Yeah. And I didn't realize that's where that song came from. Yeah. And folks can go back to the first interview to catch up on that. <laughs> and um, I, I appreciated the song more, but I never would have known that's where it came from. Uh, well, that's but the thing about it, that's one of the places it came from. Yeah. So, uh, but that's but that's definitely a, that's an image that's in there, and it's uh, yeah. So. Yeah, and speaking of songwriting, I think on the last record, I think you did the majority of the songs on the last record. On Calico Heart, it's kind yeah. of when you blossomed as a songwriter, if I recall right. It was, it was about the time. Yeah, that's that's about that's probably right. I mean, I had had a, I think I had the, the blossoming had happened earlier. The post nine eleven epiphany cross country right. trip we talked about in the last interview, and you just came up with all this material. That's right, and yeah. and uh, so when we were recording it, that was kind of what we had at that point. This time um, we had we went in with eighteen yeah. songs, <laughs> I think, songs. To, to choose from, and um, so you had a box set of material. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. But Travis had written a number of them. Um, uh, Glenn had uh, original uh, instrumentals, and so we were able to pick and choose a little more. So this one's a little little more diverse. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have. You're not locked into Chris Key's brain so much in this one, which I think is a very, very good thing. <laughs> no, that's not a bad thing. I like being locked into Chris Key's brain. We like Chris Key's brain, brain don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. We do, yeah. we do. But this one seems more it's of got a, a drafty in there. <laughs> yeah. Cobwebs. Cobwebs. <laughs> but the songwriting, aside from the one instrumental, seems more like a split between you and Travis this time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way, yes. Yeah, that would be correct. So where did your songs come from on this? Uh, uh, every single one of them, personal mm -hmm. experience, maybe maybe more akin to what you were talking about when you when you were thinking very lyrically. descriptive, and very descriptive, and, yeah. and still waters is is uh, taken literally from from the the book of Psalms, mm -hmm. um, and it's about as country gospel bluegrassy as you can get as far as the the lyric content. That's a great tune, yeah. and uh, and the feel of the song. Pick up a snake is a uh, is is a song that I wrote. Uh, about an experience that I had when I was 16 going to a primitive Baptist church and actually seeing people pick up snakes at the end of the service mm -hmm. as a part of their uh, professing of their faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's where that came from. Um, the, the Way You Love Me is, is I, I grew up around gospel music, but I always loved Stax records and things from Motown. And I always wanted to do sort of a a Stax Records kind of a feel love song. Mm -hmm. So I started writing this and with everybody, everyone's help in the band uh, put that together and that's a, a, a love song about being away from someone you love and wanting to get back to them and telling them how you feel. Uh, on the flip side of that, uh, next time this time is the abbreviated uh, title. It's uh, literally uh, there ain't going to be a next time this time mm -hmm. which I wrote uh, four years ago and brought it to Chris. We were sitting down having a songwriting session, and I brought this song out, and I played it to him, and I had uh, intentionally thought of it uh, as, as a ballad. It seemed like it needed to be a breakup ballad. So I did it as a slow ballad, and I got all choked up when I was singing it, and Chris said, that's a great song, Travis, but how in the world are you going to be able to sing that song live? Because mm -hmm. it's just so personal. You know, mm -hmm. It's about you personally breaking up with someone and having to leave, and then, and then getting so torn up about it, you got to get out of town. You just can't stick around anymore. So as it worked out, I couldn't record it, and I couldn't perform it. Mm -hmm. And then out of the clear blue sky, I was, I was sleeping one night, mm -hmm. and I had a dream, and it came to me in a dream that, no, you need to do this as an up-tempo, driving, rocking kind of a song, and that kind of masks the, the heartbreak in the song, if you, if you will, you know? So that's where those came from. And I think the mix of songs between years being very descriptive and 
the rest of the songs being in Chris's head. <laughs> Ma- <magical laughs> I gotta it's, a nice, that, it's a nice balance of tunes. I gotta say, though, that, that, that as, as sort of uh, uh, obscure as some of my stuff is, it, it also comes from personal experience, but yeah. I just, I'm, I'm, I don't know, it's my my, uh, you're, my, you're my, craftier at masking it. <laughs> yeah, well, in my high Anglican upbringing, I tend to hide my stuff behind some sort of you know lyrical wall or something. He's cleverer at it. <laughs> it, he, it he's is. definitely got a different different sense of poetry. I did, yeah. want, I did want to say uh, uh, Travis mentioned the Stax Volt thing, and I think that one of the things that I like about um, Jericho Road is, I mean, I love Calico Heart. But the way that we were able to integrate Henry in, and Henry's remarkable strengths in mm-hmm. those, Henry calls himself a pop tart. I think that that's, I mean, that's a, a, a minimizing way of saying that he's an absolute master at a lot of these great genres. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, to to bring someone, who, an organist and keyboard player, in who just knows that music inside out, mm-hmm. um, I think that really. Uh, you, you used to say yeah, it makes it sound more urban. That, well, yeah, yeah, it does, and uh, and I and, and not just Henry on this. I mean, there's there's a lot more room for uh, for the skill players to stretch out for for Glenn and Henry to mm-hmm. their, the solo stuff is is pretty incendiary. I think yeah. on this. Yeah, I like to add a lot of times. You know, we have people the first time they hear us, they go, "Well, how do you describe your music? What kind of music do you play?" And it's hard to describe. But, but the point the point of it is that all of us are all seasoned veterans and have all played in all kinds of bands, not just, you know, we've all played rock bands, country sure. bands, jazz bands, folk, you know, classical stuff. And the thing is we bring all of that to mm-hmm. the original material right. and all of those little nuances are in there because of all of our experience. And the fact that we've all played, most of you played together at some increment. So you have all this chemistry from all these years yeah. of playing together in different bands. And that's what I was going to ask too. We, you start with the song, but... Um, with a band this size and this many instruments to to work with and to play with and have all these crayons at your command, when you bring a song, do you work with a couple of people, the whole band, or do you, do you play it by yourself and say, okay, here's this new tune, what do you think, or is it pretty much all the above, depending on who's available? It's pretty, well, we pretty much do it all as a band. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to, because I think I'm a control freak at heart, I, I, God tend, bless to, I tend to come <laughs> in with, with a pretty mapped out idea of, mm-hmm. of parts I want and, and I'll have you know licks and stuff but that's not always true right I mean you know there'll be signature licks that I hear and then yeah. they'll, they'll get developed as they go along that's part um, of the fun of it too well yeah absolutely um, but mostly it's uh, you know it is me sitting down with an acoustic guitar at a rehearsal and running through the the changes and stuff and then because I write everything on the acoustic guitar then I have to figure out what the hell I'm going to play on the bass <laughs> after I've taught Taught the band, the or you know, after we've gone through it with the band. So it's Chris going, Where's that damn bass player? Oh, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mm. What is that guy playing? He doesn't know this song. <laughs> you know, so. But that's our process. You know, we'll bring, I'll bring a song in, Glenn will bring a song in, Henry, Chris, mm-hmm. and we, we, we sit down as a group and play it and say, Here's what we, here's what we think, here's what, here's the direction I want it to go. Uh, and, and for my, my song, The Way You Love Me, um, there was a lick. It needed to happen for the intro of the song, and I think it was Henry and Glenn both kind of came up with this really Stax Volt Volt record kind of. So it was Henry, yeah. That was a pop tart. Yeah, <laughs> and it's definitely that with extra frosting. It feels like yeah, it feels like a '60s you know Stax record kind mm-hmm. of feel thing. One thing I want to mention about Chris's process too about bringing stuff in is he'll <clears throat> he'll bring things in and he'll sing the song, and we'll record it. So I'll have a reference a reference vocal a, re- mm-hmm. a reference vocal for knowing. 
pretty much where he wants the melody to go. Right, right. But he gives me the, the leeway and the freedom to be able to interpret that. Because I have to, you know, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't sing exactly. I stick really close to what Chris's melody line is because I want to honor that. Sure. There's sometimes that I really have to just change certain things up because mm-hmm. it's, it fits my style. So I, I really appreciate phrasing it. or just what works better in your gives gives side of your freedom. vocal head. Yeah. yeah, and he does that for all of us. You know, yeah. he does that for all of us. So. so, do you give Glenn guitar parts or does? I, I do actually. He does yeah. I mean, Glenn, you know, makes some Glenn's. Mm-hmm. He, he turns them upside down and plays them backwards. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> So uh, no, not on everything, but there are yeah. some certain songs that have like you know there's there's a signature lick that I've worked out on the guitar. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, Jericho Road's pretty. Jericho Road, um, Moonshine. Uh, Moonshine from the other. Uh, the intro is definitely a workout thing. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask one question too, and I was being flippant earlier, but because it always boggles these really good guitar players. Have you always played the guitar left-handed and and not changed the strings? That was that always been your style. Are you self-taught? Um, I get asked that a lot. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, actually, I've had a number of teachers over the years, mm-hmm. including Dave Creamer, um, but mostly self-taught. Um, but um, I I do play the other way, and for a while I was playing, um, I was playing with the strings strung um, right side up. Right around the time I was turning professional, mm-hmm. and there was kind of a watershed moment in in deciding which way to play. And um, I'll be quick about it. Um, I had just begun playing right side up, and I was in a jam session with a keyboard player. I was in college, and he was pretty good, and I was having a little bit of difficulty keeping up with him, and he really insulted my playing. Mm. He said, you know, you're not as good a musician as I am. Mm. And I said, well, hold on a minute. And I came back with a right-handed strung guitar mm-hmm. and um, reversed the table on him. <laughs> um, and that was tremendously gratifying, but that kind of... Um, it kind of underscored that I'd gone too far in in playing upside down. Mm-hmm. By that time, I could look at the f- the fretboard and I could see all the notes and hear them before I played them. Mm-hmm. And aside from natural facility, that's very important for all the music I play, especially mm-hmm. when I'm developing original parts, working with songwriters. Um, it, playing playing with it strung the other way, some things are easy, like just learning note for note a Doc Watson tune. Mm-hmm. You know, that, just replicating it, that's easy because I don't have to see the fingerboard, the fretboard. Right. So, I, but from the beginning, I played uh, with the guitar strung uh, backwards. Uh, when I got my first guitar, I reversed the strings, mm-hmm. and but that everything buzzed and flapped and sounded mm-hmm. awful <laughs> because it needed a different bridge and a different uh, nut. Right. And I had it wasn't built to be strung. Yeah, I had neither the knowledge nor resources to, to make that change. So took it the other way. Yeah. One thing that Glenn has mentioned in the past about that about playing the way he does, it, that it's particularly uh, advantageous when you're playing blues because of the way well, you should you should you're the guitar player. You should yes. describe that. If there's if there if there is a genre where there's an advantage to that, it's electric blues. Mm-hmm. Um, one has more leverage and more control in bending strings. Mm. And uh, I'm not the only one to have discovered that. Mm-hmm. Um, Albert King is a great example of that. And if you mm. look at uh, a lot of what Eric Clapton developed in being a blues player, he was he was following Albert King, and, 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 and essentially playing it strung backwards mm-hmm. for the way it's supposed to be played. Uh, Coco Montoya is a more recent example of somebody who plays upside down. Otis Rush. Uh, Otis Rush. Doyle Bramhall. 
Seal. Seal. Really? Uh, mm. Yeah, there, there's, it's it's not as rare as, as you might think. Um, but yeah, and there are some areas where playing upside down is an absolute heartbreaker. Mm -hmm. I love classical music. Yeah. I love classical guitar. Um, playing that backwards is a complete no-op. <laughs> so, 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 so I actually I keep a classical guitar at home strung left-handed uh -huh. and I play some of that um, back when I was playing in, in a band in New Jersey and New York um, which started as kind of a Poco Buffalo Springfield band then I brought a banjo into the band and it mm -hmm. became a bluegrass band um, when I first started playing banjo I actually tried to play it backwards mm -hmm. and that's one of the dumbest things <laughs> I've tried you can't play with a G drone along the bottom yeah, yeah, yeah you can't play it and there was this moment where if you'd have seen me giving up on that you would have seen uh, a second story window fly open and a banjo come flying out <laughs> and then sticking into the lawn <laughs> and, and uh, that's when I realized I couldn't do that and that'd be I, a great video podcast <laughs> and, and, and so what I actually did was I drilled a hole in the neck of the banjo it was a real cheap one thankfully and put a, a thumb screw from an artist's easel in, <laughs> and, and, and put the uh, string along on the top the, yeah and for most of Scruggs stuff an outboard string without a fretboard under it is not a problem mm -hmm. because it doesn't go up the neck much and a lot of his material, yeah. and then began playing that right side. So banjo, I played right side up. Yeah. Haven't done it in years, but anyhow, it's more than thankful. <laughs> we're, very, we're very thankful that Glenn has not decided to pick the banjo up. I wanted to buy one, and I Kathy, know. Kathy said we don't need a banjo in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, well we already wise woman. We already have an accordion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if there's never a hardcore bluegrass tune on a Houston Jones record, you can blame Glenn's wife, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Some will thank you for it. <laughs> Like the pop tart, for example, <laughs> raising his hand across the table. Um, this is very cool. I also wanted to ask Chris and I were talking earlier about Cookie Marenko. Yes. Mm. And I'm going to talk to Cookie on Wednesday, so this is a great segue. And Excellent. I came across Cookie, I think, talking to, I think, reading liner notes and then talking to Keith Greninger, this guy you absolutely despise. Ah, Keith, yeah. You know, so I kept <coughs> seeing this name, and I go, i got to talk to Cookie. So we're going to do the, I'm going to go to the studio on Wednesday and talk to Cookie. But how long have you worked with Cookie? And what, start with Chris, because you and I were yakking earlier. I said, save it for the podcast. Yeah, I, um, I met Cookie, uh, I was in this marvelous band with my wife, who was uh, Jane Selkie, and uh, we had this great drummer, Scott Amendola. Uh, and Scott was Cookie's house drummer. Mm -hmm. And when we were getting ready to make a record, uh, Scott said, "You gotta, you gotta check out Cookie." So we went down to her studio, and she's very old school. She uses, that's the phrase I kept hearing was old school. Yeah, records on tape. She records on two inch tape. Uh, she's got no uh, automated board. Uh, she has the best ears in the galaxy, Amen as far as I that. can tell. Um, and uh, and she's just really really easy to work with, mm -hmm. and so that so then when um, we made she's also from working at Windham Hill, she's especially adept at recording acoustic instruments. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we had done Three Crow Town at um, Glenn's uh, studio, and we were looking for some uh, to you know to sort of broaden our our recording horizons. And so I mentioned Cookie, and we. We ended up doing uh, Calico Heart there, and then right. we then we did this was uh, um, Jericho Road is more of a hybrid. We did um, a lot of the basic tracks at Cookies because she's got this just off the hook piano, and she's really adept at um, recording and miking drums, mm -hmm. and she's always gotten a really marvelous sound out of my bass. And so uh, 
so we did that. We did a lot of the basics there, and then we did a fair amount of overdubbing and some actual tracking at Glenn's. Glenn has a very um, uh, evolved um, digital studio mm -hmm. at his house, um, so um, so we did that there. That's that's Cookie's involvement. Very so cool. we we have two two records yeah. worth of experience with her. Nice. Yeah. But even at Glenn, even the the sub, the little track we did at Glenn's house. She came in and arranged the drums and the drum mics yeah. to get the optimum sound in the mm -hmm. room that we had to use. Wow, very yeah. cool. Yeah, she's um, she's really something to work with because she's got uh, she has those great ears. She has she's a uh, she's a produce an engineer as well as a producer. I mean, so she has. And she has an incredible pedigree. If you go to her website. Yeah. It's, Oh, stuff yeah. she's worked on is amazing. Yeah, but I'll link all that on the podcast. And yeah, stuff too. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, for instance, she worked with. We were talking about Mike and Grum. She worked with Max Roach, for instance. <laughs> you know, no slouch. Uh, but uh, what was the, the cool thing is that she uses her engineering skills as to produce in mm. this a very mysterious way, like when you're doing a vocal track or something or an instrumental yeah. track, and she senses that you're breathing is wrong or you're playing too hard which is something that I tend to do she'll boost your she'll adjust your headphone mix without telling you and then you so you correct yourself without her going no right. this is wrong that's right. nice that's right. you don't even know she's done it it's almost subconscious yeah wow. yeah no she's really something well I've read she has a knack for getting I think maybe you were telling me or maybe it was I read it or it was Keith but talk about how she she gets a good live performance out of people recording and probably adjusting what's in your headphones is probably how she does it yeah, or at least on, a piece of it anyway. On, on uh, Calico Heart, a number, three or four of the vocal tracks were uh, Travis's scratch vocals. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just, you know, the, the energy and the emotion was there. And like the first take was the best, kind right. of? I wasn't, even, I, I wasn't even thinking about keeping those as, as mm -hmm. uh, saving those tracks. They were literally tracks to be able to, for the rest of the band to be able to have reference. You know, I'm right. singing the song, and yet... She uh, she knew what she was doing. She had the headphone mix perfect, and she had it mixed correctly in the studio. And, and you weren't ever thinking the performance because you were just speaking out of the band here. And, and there are other components of what makes that work, look, and what makes working with her magical. Mm -hmm. um, she really knows what microphones to pick mm -hmm. and how to place them. I mean, to to an incredible degree, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, every time Alchemy. we record, I'm learning from her as an engineer, um, and and that's that's a real part of it. The other part of it is. Um, it, it's almost entirely her skills, her her ear, um, and then on top of that, she's got just world class stuff. Her her mics are things that human beings don't normally own. Old two preamps that add to the warmth of the tape. Wow. Or, or the U forty seven, you know, the same mic the Beatles used, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm looking forward to the interview. Not that this one wasn't fun, but that's going to be a great interview, too. So, uh, so Jericho Road is officially out now. I know there was, yes. it was kind of sort of out, but now you're sending out... It's, it's been officially out since... Well, I'm giving you the street date of January 15th. Okay. Oh, there we go. I thought it was... Which is I, about when I'll probably post this interview, which perfect. is great timing. Well, that's our... That's our, our, our oh, January 15th. Our well-greased promotional machine okay, at work. That's what yes. it is. <laughs> Random <laughs> <laughs> Well, all the work is like the putting. This, I was talking to. I was on KKUP last week. I was talking to David Stafford. I talked about my next CD, and I go, "I haven't had songs for it." He goes, "Well, that's the easy part." Now you're right. <laughs> now, what the hell are you going to do with them? Are you gonna, so, is that the truth? Everybody yeah, the truth. Huh? <laughs> 
Well, good luck with the record. I'm glad we all got to chat this yeah, time. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for it. Likewise, we'll see you next time. Excellent. All right. All right. Take Thank care. So once again, that was Houston Jones, better known as Chris Key, Henry Salvia, Peter Tucker, Travis Jones, and Glenn Houston, all talking around the table at KPIG Studios in Freedom, California. The new record is Jericho Road, and I realized when I was um, putting together those little song intros, I actually cut out like these great instrumentals. So if you if you want to hear the rest of those, you can go buy the record, and I highly recommend it. You can find that at HoustonJones.com. You can also go to MichaelGaither.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, and um, go for, look for Songs and Stories 82 and find links and all kinds of stuff there. Uh, the band's playing all over California. They're also doing a couple of East Coast trips, so check out their calendar page, either through my site or theirs. Uh, once again, I want to thank the band for uh, you know giving me their time, hanging out, talking, and a, a big thanks to Kathy, Glenn's wife, who um, kind of wrangled all this together for me as well. So thanks, Kathy. Thanks to you for listening. And uh, like I said earlier, coming up on the next couple of episodes of Songs and Stories is an interview with, or our interviews with, I'm so good at the English language, <laughs> our two interviews with Cookie Marenko, Bay Area producer Cookie Marenko, who worked with Houston Jones on Jericho Road and their last record, Calico Heart. Cookie was an early adopter of hard disk recording. She was one of the first people to put music up on the internet for download. Back in the days of dial-ups, she's been on the cutting edge of a lot of recording technology. And these days, she works exclusively with 2-inch tape. She records. So we'll talk about her work with Houston Jones, as well as her work with Keith Greninger and Dan Kai, who will follow the Cookie Marenko interview. So there's a, a thread running through a lot of this stuff. And if you want to find um, what's coming up, you can send me an email, michael at michaelgather.com, and I'll put you on the mailing list, or go to michaelgather.com and subscribe from there. You can also find me in iTunes by searching for Michael Gaither or Songs and Stories and get these podcasts automatically. So once again, thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. Take care. <laughs>